0: The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Dena'ina Athabascan people.
1: I have heard the oldest stories that the wisest man ever told. And I cast aside my worries And just went digging for gold And I will scale the highest mountains Looking for the bluest blue But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just
0: Welcome to this Between the Seasons episode of the Anchored City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. When you step into the rink of the Anchorage Curling Club, you're greeted by a number of banners. Some are simply just advertisements. Another welcomes curlers to the 64th annual Fur Rondi Bonspiel, which took place this past weekend. And still another reads, Anchorage Curling Club home of two-time U.S. Olympian Jessica Schultz. We couldn't think of a better way to follow up an episode on curling in Anchorage than to talk with Anchorage's most famous curler, Jessica Schultz. Schultz learned to curl in Anchorage and went on to compete at the highest levels of curling, becoming a three-time national champion, two-time Olympian, and representing the U.S. at the World Championships on a number of occasions. Here's my conversation with Jessica Schultz.
2: My name is Jessica Schultz. I am a two-time Olympian, multinational champion, and I grew up curling at the Anchorage Curling Club on Government Hill. And so I, I identify myself as a curler and it's been told to me that I am even married to the sport. So I've been doing it for that long and I've been that dedicated to the growth of it. And uh, that, you know, if you hear of my name, it's usually associated with curling. <laughs>
0: So like you said, you grew up curling um, on the club on Government Hill. In fact, when you walk into the rink now, there's a big banner that says um, home of two-time Olympian um, Jessica Schultz. So I would love to hear just what comes to mind when you think of the Anchorage Curling Club. Maybe what are some of the memories you have of, of that place and of curling there? Absolutely.
2: And not to be cliche, but when I think of the Anchorage Curling Club, it's home, right? So it's that place that I go to that reminds me, it's that nostalgic feeling, it reminds me of where I came from, uh, it's it's where I went to practice, even when we were qualifying for the Olympics, and getting through the Olympic trials, like I made a point to come home and practice, like I used to, with my dad, and myself, and just us two out there on the ice, throwing rocks, and he would time the rocks for me, and uh, that just really brought me, kind of kept me grounded, in a way, And so when I think about the Anchorage Curling Club, I have some amazing memories. Uh, The club really rallied around the juniors at that time. There was just a few of us at the club, a few juniors, I should say. I was one of two out of my high school. Uh, There was three of us in the city, and then we would try to get somebody from Fairbanks or something to travel with us, and we would go to the national, junior nationals every year. So I think of the, like, the the support that we received from the members uh, and when we were trying to learn as much as we could and practice and that uh, just those fond memories of hanging out, on, there used to be a couch there at the at the curling club. So during a Bonds field, all the juniors would sit on the couch and watch our parents hang out and they'd uh, we'd all play games and and just, it was just a part of our, our lifestyle. It was um, our family game night. It's what our family did during the winter months.
0: So you maybe already alluded to it, but like how did you actually get started curling?
2: Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. Traditionally, uh kids would start because it's like a third generation sport. Their grandparents did it, their parents did it, and then kids passed off, passed it on. But with us, uh, my parents didn't know what it was about. So we had a neighbor that actually did it for fun. It was kind of her bowling league, and she told my dad about it. It's like, hey, you should come out, bring the kids. And after that, my dad was hooked. He's like, this is a great game night for the for the kids. There's four of us in the family and there's four of us on a team. Like this is gonna be perfect. We're gonna do this once a week throughout the winter months and kind of get through the winter months. So I hated it. <laughs> I don't <tell> <laughs> at first because nobody else was doing it, right? And I'm just like this 12, 13 year old awkward kid coming in and it's like, what is this sport? And nobody knows what it is. And uh but after the first season, I fell in love with it and I was hooked and uh just got to travel and meet spotted juniors across the country and uh, from there, I just I just became a part of who I am. And that's like, I wanted to be on the ice all the time practicing. I wanted to get to nationals. I wanted to meet, uh, I wanted to continue to meet the curling community and be involved in the curling community. And uh, so kind of started with family and then it has evolved since then into a passion lifestyle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when in that journey of moving from like, my parents drug me down to the rink and I don't want to be here to like liking the sport, when did you sort of realize you had kind of a talent for it? That you are like, oh, I'm not too bad at curling.
2: That's a good question because we would, we would place last almost every year at Junior Nationals. <laughs> so going from that to thinking that I would be good and wanting to go to the Olympics for it, uh, it didn't come until later in high school when I was at a Junior National Championship and one of the coaches from the other team, he just gave me a pointer on my delivery. And it kind of changed how I was throwing the rock and I became more consistent with it. I was like, well, I I think I like the sport and I want to continue to do it. And in order to do that, uh, I had to move to Minnesota. At that point, I wasn't big enough in the state to get a lot of competition and and kind of continue on that path. So the Olympics in 2002 was kind of that hook for me when I was watching it and watching uh, Debbie McCormick, who ended up being my teammate later on in life watching them. And I was like, I can do this. I can go to the Olympics for curling. And uh, so that was kind of what brought it in kind of just a series of events that I was like, so my mom and dad were very excited when I said, um, I'm not worried about college. I'm going to move to Duluth, Minnesota and go curling. (laughs)
0: maybe not what every parent is hoping to hear but it sounds like (laughs) you're.
2: they weren't too supportive at first but uh it all came full circle eventually so um it uh, it all worked out
0: well yeah obviously it worked out i mean you ended up being the u.s champ three times and going to the olympics (laughs) twice and going to worlds um multiple times so What is it like to curl at kind of the highest level of curling?
2: It's hard to put into words. It's incredible, right? Like, especially going into the Olympic Games, you're at the top of your sport in the U S and not only in your sport, but you're amongst all these other amazing athletes that are at the top of their sport. So, uh, to peak and be at that level is, um, it's incredible like you put in a lot of work to get to that moment and it pays off like you feel that and and you feel the emotions that go with that and um just working with the teams and a team aspect to get to that level uh it's truly rewarding and i guess more or less it's an experience that i take away and i fold close to me and then i take it forward into my life now where my professional career and um, friendships and all of that so what we've learned along the way
0: so you've retired from competitive play at this point in time, or at least at that level. What are what are you yeah. doing now that's keeping you involved with curling? I know you're pretty busy and you got your hands in lots of things, but what are those things that you're doing as it relates to curling now?
2: Yeah, good question. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm kind of married to the sport. So I tried to walk away from it for a couple of years and realized that wasn't a good good route for me and uh so i was actually hired on with the organization with united states curling association uh, in 2020 where i came on as a sporting director and helping oversee the team's training for the olympics and the junior programming and from there it kind of evolved into kind of having my hands and a little bit of everything among the amongst the organization and has been a really rewarding piece and being able to work with these juniors and see them grow and um, you know, find competitive curling if they want it or see at least having fun with the sport. And then now I transitioned away from the organization, but I'm still involved with coaching uh, and helping with the junior development program. So I started a national junior development program that we run virtually. So we were reaching kids across the country and helping them network and find teams and helping them to get a taste of what competitive curling's like, if that's what they want to do. In addition, um, I'm actually going to worlds next week with the wheelchair team. So we have a wheelchair world championships that our team's going to be at competing in Richmond, BC. So it'll be there on staff, uh, hopefully podium is, is definitely in our sights. So we will, uh, we'll see how that week shakes out. And then in addition to all of that, I, uh, I, when I was home, I moved home a few years ago, I started a nonprofit called curl Alaska. And that kind of stemmed from this kind of down moment for me where I moved home and the club was kind of in this place where I left it years ago. And so I wanted to kind of revitalize and uh, not just the club itself, but curling and in, in the state of Alaska and seeing the growth in the, in the lower 48, um, like just kind of fueled the fire to bring curling to the state of Alaska because there's so many good small communities up there and the sport is perfect for it. And it's an alternative winter sport. That's not involving being outside um, you know, or like those long endurance, like cross country skiing and snowshoeing, showing a fat tire biking, like it's an alternative for those kids, especially that may not be enjoying those type of sports, but it's a more cerebral sport that you can still get some good exercise from doing. And so moved home, started curl Alaska and, uh, It's kind of one of those things, if you build it, they will come and and just kind of providing a resource for people to help build and bring curling into their community. Uh, We've been able to help Palmer and Telkeetna get their own curling club started, as well as we're now talking to Soldatna and Seward and kind of exploring what those options are like too. So, uh, but that really is just a testament. Like people love the sport. It's addicting, it's, it's a great community builder um and then you get a couple key volunteers in there like i can't take the credit for any of that because like these people on the ground um guys out in palmer they're kind of taking it like i just kind of said here it is and they're taking it and running with it and now and now we have established clubs and we just had a bond spill last weekend our major curl alaska fundraiser was last weekend in And we had Blackwater Railroad that was headlining for us out there, and and Denali Brewery made a sweepers brew. So we had beers like made uh, or like labeled and, and named after curling. So I, it's pretty exciting and incredible to have the community kind of rally rally around the, the curling. <laughs>
1: And I have dreamed of faraway places where imagination just gets lost, and I would search the wide world over for one proverb that is true. But of all.
0: pausing to share with you an exciting opportunity to meet fellow residents of Anchorage and engage with thought-provoking ideas. Wednesday, March 1 at 6 p.m. at Willowaw Social, a culture shift is happening. Culture Shift is a monthly event brought to you by the Alaska Humanities Forum. At each culture shift event, two guests take turns speaking on a topic that they are passionate about, an idea that challenges the norms or assumptions. Then the audience takes part in a fun, interactive, and thought-provoking Q&A to find connections between the two. At the March Culture Shift, I'm one of the guests that's speaking. I will be sharing about how human sustainability is true sustainability. But even if I wasn't one of the presenters, I'd still encourage you to go. I've started going every month and I love it. Consider joining us March 1 at 6 p.m. at Willowa Social for Culture Shift. A link to more information and tickets is in the show description. Now back to the episode. All
1: the strength I gather. And with all those lessons learned, with the crazy long life that I lived already, and the scars I earned, I still can't seem to find. questions now loving you just once was worth it even if i
0: so before we started I um talking on and <laughs> recording you had said it's it's always good to do positive publicity about curling so um i guess the question i would like to ask is like from when you began when it was maybe not as popular as it is now and there's been kind of this explosion like how has that changed and then also what do you think kind of the future is for curling in the U.S. and also in Alaska I mean I I know for me I always think of curling like um, even though I know folks do it in the U.S. like I think of Canada (laughs) like Mm -hmm. automatically but I know that it's on the rise in the states so like how's the, the change in popularity and then where are you hoping that it'll go in the coming years
2: Absolutely. So it's been a fun ride to kind of be along and see the growth of the sport from where it was back in the day and the stereotypes that it was an older person sport, like, like overweight, middle-aged people smoking and, and drinking and having a good time. And that was the stereotype of the sport. And not very many people knew what it was. And so, like I said, I was one, maybe two people in my entire high school that did it or even had a clue what it was called or like what that there was a sport called curling. And so if if it was ever in the newspaper or um, on you know, the news, I would be kind of made fun of for, for, for doing the sport because nobody else knew what it was. And then uh, once we won the Olympic trials, we were the youngest team uh, ever from the States to go. And the media just had a heyday with curling jokes. So, like sweeping your floor, and they're like, "Oh, your kitchens must be clean because you sweep." You're real so good at sweeping. Like, well, <laughs> I hope my house is clean, but it's not because of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but or like curling weights. I had people like actually grab my arms. Be like, well, you don't look like a curling weights or curling hair." Like it was just like the jokes kept coming and. At that time, you know, you're trying to change the perception of the sport, and so just trying to educate people and help. It came to a point where media would say it's not a sport; it's not something that you're you're exercising in, or like. So we would just put the challenge out there, be like, "Come out, try it. Let's show you like it is a sport." And then the more people that tried it, the more growth, and the Olympics really helped um, just make the curling that much more popular. Uh, than it ever would have been before because it's getting TV coverage, right? So that TV coverage has really helped get the sport going and get it up and, and um, growing in popularity. And I think some younger kids are seeing it now. And what's cool, like I was saying earlier, it used to be generational and be passed down. But now you have these kids that have parents that have no idea what curling is and those kids want to curl and they're asking their parents to take them to a curling club. Um, so that I think is really awesome. <laughs> And then uh, kind of a little check mark of my uh, mission accomplished, I guess, if you will, like just helping the growth of the sport and like people, I can have a conversation with anybody walking down the street about curling now because they've either seen it on TV or they've tried, which is awesome. So I think the future going down the road is majority of the population will have tried it at some point and uh, it's going to be mainstream television um, uh, just like any other sport, I, I see it being successful when a math teacher has a math problem or a physics teacher has a physics problem about curling, <laughs> you know, as so they always have like how many baseballs are hit or, or trajectory of a ball or, you know, in a soccer ball a person hits, kicks a soccer ball and it goes this far. And so I kind of see that as success is when teachers are putting curling questions into their programming. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And with curl, with curl, Alaska, I'd love to, to, to hear like, what's your vision for spreading it around the state? Like you said, there's already been clubs that have been kind of added. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know from doing research last week for the previous episode, I mean, they've been curling in Fairbanks for a really long time. Like it's the oldest sports club in the state, but like, what's your dream for for spreading the sport around the state?
2: I think for curl, Alaska, the one mission is to spread it and, and, and garner that interest in small communities and just help them, um, have an alternative sport there, but as well as getting into schools, So again, having high school championships and high school leagues with curling involved there, as well as, uh, some actually making it mainstream where they're playing like East high is playing against West high and Bartlett and, and uh, traveling to Fairbanks to play against Fairbanks teams, and uh, then having events along the main highway where we can have bond spiels and like a kind of a tour type thing um, where you can play every other weekend if you wanted to, or you can do with a, a bond spiel tour. And so there's there's lots of ideas, but I think one side of it is helping us grow, getting, getting the communities behind it. So they're supporting themselves and having their own events, as well as the schools, and elementary schools, um, and getting it more out to the kids. And so my original one plan was where I even have a program where teachers can nominate kids that are kind of cusp on cusp of being maybe kids or having difficulty in school. and And they would be able to come and do a curriculum with curling but instead of it just being centered around the sport it'd be basics of what goes into being like a competitive curler so you have team dynamics and communication and so like life skills that the sport is teaching you and it just gives you an alternative route of learning in a more different environment I think so that's one piece of it and then what we did for our bonds bill this last weekend, what we do every year is on Friday before the bonds bill starts, we host the elementary school kids. So we do a learn to curl for all the, all the kids in the Talkeetna elementary school. So they get to come out and try the sport. We rotate them through every 45 minutes and they get a chance to play a couple ends. And uh, we do that every year with them. And by the time they get to fourth and fifth graders, we just have them play games and and they know the sport. And then now they're watching it on TV and they're talking about it and they want more of it.
0: If folks are interested and want to get in touch with Curl Alaska, how should they go about doing that?
2: Uh, They can email me, excuse me, uh, email uh, CurlAlaska at gmail.com, or they can follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Very cool. And then I I guess the question I would love to ask you is why should a person um, check out curling, either as a spectator or as a participant? What would you tell folks? Why should you check it out? How, so how, why not
2: <laughs> why not um no i think it, you should definitely check out curling come down to the curling club this weekend well i guess the, the anchorage the ferrande bond spiel is going on this weekend but uh during the weekends there's always something going on and you should stop in and check out the sport it's a fun atmosphere it's a great group of people it's a fun sport it's uh there is no reason not to
0: So I'll ask the final question that I ask all of our guests. And I know you as a busy person, you're coaching, you're trying to spread curling throughout the state and and build it in the country. Is there something you do to kind of keep yourself centered in the middle of all that? You can think of it as a spiritual practice or a self-care practice or a mindfulness practice, but what do you do to keep yourself centered in the middle of all the things you got going on?
2: That's a really good question, Joel. And I was trying to narrow it down to one specific Uh, area and I think if I have there's always a couple things that I like to do but the main one is just practicing gratitude and like every morning I'm grateful that I get up in the morning and I'm grateful that I get another opportunity to work towards a goal or to help somebody or my goal is always to make somebody smile so however I can do that uh, is something that I'd like to try to practice and through through that it just makes that appreciation for all the little things easier and uh keeps me grounded towards what i'm working towards in the longer term
0: well thank you so much for talking with us a little bit about curling from your perspective i appreciate you taking the time
2: absolutely joel thank you for having me on
0: My thanks to Jessica Schultz for joining me in talking about curling and her experiences in the sport. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiegenfeld. Good curling, and be good out there. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of The Collaborative is to train the heads, hands, and hearts of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.